1: Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs. Now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Crypto gaming is huge. I mean, it's like, it just works, it clicks, and it's easy. You have a zillion people around the world gaming. They understand the value of owning their assets They will soon understand the value of being able to play and earn money and accrue value and to be able to take it with you project to project. And these are also gamers that are tech savvy and understand the flows and they could really pick this up quickly.
0: Welcome back to The Breakdown with me, NLW. It's a daily podcast on macro, Bitcoin, and the big picture power shifts remaking our world. The Breakdown is sponsored by Nidig and produced and distributed by Coindesk. What's going on, guys? It is Thursday, December 30th, and it must be the section of the Breakdown's end-of-year extravaganza where I focus on the crypto VCs. Yesterday, I had Catherine Wu from Coinbase Ventures, and today I'm delighted to welcome Tom Shaughnessy, one of the founders of Delphi Digital. Delphi is really notable because they got their start in this space as a research firm, as a consultancy, but they have become so much more. They still have those arms, they still have some of the best research and professional level content out there, but they've jumped into the world of not only investing, but actually helping teams design their companies for a new Web3 world. Because of that, obviously Tom and I spend a lot of time on some of these frontier spaces, and I'm really excited to share that perspective. These are the types of projects that certainly aren't inevitably big picture power shifts, but are also probing the ground for areas that could be ripe for disruption. These guys were early to Axie Infinity and the whole play-to-earn movement, and so I'm thrilled to bring you Tom's perspective on some of the things going on in the crypto industry right now. All right, what is going on? Tom, welcome to The Breakdown. Great to have you here, sir.
1: Nathaniel, Matt, known you for a long time. I'm really excited to be on.
0: In my head, I've had you on the show a bunch of times, but I haven't. Kevin's been on a couple times talking about macro stuff, but this is actually, I think, our first time, which is ludicrous and much overdue. Uh, but this is the perfect time to do it. Um, obviously, you in your role get to spend a lot of time looking at, um, you know, the the industry as a whole, but I think other some parts of the industry that other people might not have visibility into yet. So that'll be a cool cool perspective to share. Um, let's start with kind of the big. Uh, get everyone going. Question: Which is what was the most important story in the crypto industry in 2021? And that could be a single event, it can be a trend, uh, and it also can be just what it, what you thought was most important. Uh, but maybe it's not sort of uh, definitively so.
1: Yeah, no, it's a good question. Um, I mean, borrowing from from your line before we got started, there's a lot of obvious ones, right? You you have multi-chain adoption with Solana and Terra and Polkadot and others in Cosmos. You have NFTs and DAOs taking off. You have real utility, right, for NFTs and uh, actual DeFi projects. I think L2s really hit their grind, right? Like you have real projects like DYDX and Immutable launched on Starkware. You have a bunch on Arbitrum. You have ZK Syncs. We're seeing that happen. I think one of the coolest things, though, not definitive or in absolute terms, is the biggest event. But I think the most interesting to me is that DAOs are really starting to take off, right? Like, I think we're a little short of DAO tooling, right? Like you can't log on to a DAO and, you know, do everything you want to do from one place yet. But I think we're seeing the cultural move over and I think it's starting to work, right? Like you had MetaCartel Ventures, the Lao years ago. I think, yeah, they're all still running. But now you have things like Pleaser DAO, which is a collection of like an incredible group of people in crypto and they're buying the most important pieces of art ever, right? Like Wu-Tang album, Snowden, et cetera. So I think DAOs taking off mean a lot because they will completely replace the entire historical corporate structure we have. They'll lower the barriers of entry for anybody to get involved in a community, right? Whether that be for an investing standpoint or whether that be um, a club around something else. But I think once we build up the tooling, um, I think Dow's taking off next year will probably just be Super obvious and super welcome by the space.
0: What do you think is the thesis that's driving DAOs right now? And by that I mean is it just you, you kind of intimated it when it comes to replacing the corporate structure, but I, I want to just push on this for just a minute. You know, is it about cool people getting together to buy things? You know, like what what is the what is the kind of the driving force that's pushing people into that arena?
1: Yeah, I think it's just a lower barrier of entry, right? Like You could be in Africa, in China, in California, and if you have specific domain expertise for a particular group, so maybe for DAO, it's identifying artwork, maybe for an investment DAO, it's identifying projects, um, maybe for a DeFi project, it's doing the economic modeling for how that'll work. If you have those skills or any skills, you could join a group of people, aka a DAO, and you could be involved, you could have upside, you could be incentivized. It's just so easy for people to get involved and to work together. And frankly, I think that's super interesting because like that's the dream of crypto, right? Global access by anyone who has a great idea, full global meritocracy. Anybody can get involved. Anyone gets incentivized and they could all build together. So I'm pretty excited for it.
0: DAOs might come up again, but I want to kind of go a little bit more broad for, for another question. What's something that happened this year that you would never have predicted going into 2021?
1: That's a good question. I feel like everything has happened, right? (laughs) Like I could barely keep up with the news flow uh, from projects. Um, As for something that's happened that I couldn't imagine. um, I mean, I think the rise of art blocks was really awesome. I mean, they've obviously been around for a long time, but I mean, the rise of art blocks. um, And for those who don't know, it's just, you know, generative art and they curate it. Um, There's three tiers. We don't have to go into it, but I think that means a lot for the space, right? Because you have validation of NFTs, you have validation of real artwork and real curation, um, and people love it. And they're rallying around the whole idea of what it means to have digital art, the provenance, the authenticity, everything online. You can create communities around it. You know, Squiggles is the first curated drop, I think, on Art Blocks, and you have Squiggle down now, right? So that's interesting. You have projects like Gen Art that's flipping that model where it's membership and anyone gets involved. So you're already iterating a bunch, but. Yeah, I think, uh, I think the rise of NFTs on the art side have been quite interesting this year. If you remember at the beginning of the year, like it really wasn't too important. Um, but now you have NFTs with real utility. They've taken the artwork a step further. So with generative art, you, know, you click mint, uh, code runs, and you get your output of what that art looks like. But now people are taking that a step further, right? You have Altered State Machine, which has insane utility with their NFTs, right? Like these are going to be NFTs that own a model that learns over time and you can use that model for any AI use case you want. If Delphi wants a chatbot, Nathaniel, if you want a little companion to you know walk people through the initial sound checks on the podcast or you know if I want a player in their first AFA uh, game to learn over time and get skills, you can do that. you could train them. So th- long story short, I think we saw a rise in art based NFTs, but now we're seeing real utility go into them.
0: So that maybe gets into kind of a a little bit of a next question, which is when the future looks back on uh, NFTs in 2021, what are they going to think? I mean, it sounds like your answer is kind of step one of a much bigger process.
1: Yeah, I think they're going to see a lot of garbage too, right? Like there's a lot (laughs) of these PFP projects that are like literally copy and pasting, you know, hurry up and mint. I, I think a lot of them are terrible, right? But The things that I would say shine are the real art that matters, like the art blocks, the gen arts of the world, like those collections that have real thought that really push the bounds on what you can do with generative art. I think that's super interesting. I think eventually on-chain art, digital art just laps the traditional market. Like there's no way traditional market could compete with this. It's just straight up boring, right? The other thing I think is that projects launching NFTs that have real usage in something bigger down the line will be important, right? Crypto unicorns, um, an investment of ours, just like others I've mentioned on, on the pod so far, like they did a land sale recently. Like that has real utility down the line. Like Ember store, a major game, a AAA rated game has a land sale recently. That Those are all NFT drops that will mean a lot um, in the future. So I think people look back and they'll see a lot of garbage, but they'll also see a lot of NFTs that, do or will represent real utility in the projects that they're for in the future.
0: Nidig, the sponsor of this podcast, provides banks, corporate treasuries, pensions, and hedge funds with ironclad Bitcoin custody and white glove service. Learn more at nidig.com/nlw. That's n-y-d-i-g.com/nlw. Let's talk about market cycles a little bit. And I know that, obviously, as in your role, kind of looking early stage, it's a bit different. But, you know, there's been a lot of debate this year around whether the four-year halving base cycle still is kind of the dominant force in crypto or whether there's a super cycle or whether there's micro cycles. You know, how do you think about that, both in terms of just your observations on the space as a whole, but also in terms of how you operate or think about uh, investments?
1: Yeah, that's a good one. Um, I mean, long term, like up and to the right, like I think crypto eats the world, zero doubt, obviously stealing and adapting that quote. Um, But yeah, long term crypto adoption is inevitable. I think it gets a little weird sometimes, right? Like we see all this validation from like Adidas and major companies and we're like, oh, the top is in. But, you know, that's also like the concept of that is also adoption, right? Like we the goal is for crypto, Web3, NFTs to be everywhere. So we're scared to see that adoption, but we're also, you know, that's also what we're looking for, right? So I'm pretty interested kind of about that. On market cycles, it's hard. I'm not a trader. Um, don't use leverage, not smart enough. Don't watch my computer enough. But I guess what I could see from the early side is when valuations just get completely out of sync with the market or fundamentals, right? When we start seeing projects raising, you know, 100 mil at 150 mil, rounds. And when I say that number, I mean, fully diluted value for the token, because a lot of projects will have a multiple on the equity for the warrant um, or on the pro rata. Then it starts to get a little weird, you know, and they're raising major rounds for a white paper or a demo uh, gets tough, you know, marketing trailers for a game or one thing, you know, the multi-year timeline to build that out is very, very different.
0: Super interesting. Let's talk about, I guess, this sort of uh, builds on your role and what you spend time on. What's something that you're paying attention to that you're surprised more people aren't or that still seems kind of under the radar relative to how much of your brain space it it picks up?
1: Yeah, I mean, DAO tooling and Web3 have taken a pretty big window recently, right, past couple of weeks. Um, I think people are still trying to figure out what Web3 is. You know, is this just that, you know, Nathaniel owns his data or, or is it something larger, right? Like where I have a social token with, a market cap to it, or you know, is it basically web two point five where Facebook or Meta just adds custodial NFTs and good luck. You know, I, I think we're still trying to figure that out and what web three actually means. What I will say is there's a lot of really smart founders uh, who will figure it out and they'll get the feedback from their community and they'll implement it. And those are the founders we're we're looking for. So if you're raising for a web three project or frankly any project that's super interesting. Uh, my DMs are always open, and we've invested in projects right off of DM intro, so always here. <laughs>
0: um, what's something that you expected to happen this year that didn't?
1: It's a good one. I, I frankly expected a little more regulatory clarity. Um, I'm no lawyer. Um, I think everyone in the government uh, is doing a great job, and obviously, crypto is a brand new technology that you know, is, is hard for even us to understand. Um, and it flips a lot on its head, but I was expecting a little bit more clarity to make it easier for developers and builders and those forming projects um, in the formation stage to comply with or to understand, right? I think everyone's doing a great job, but you know, I think the US wants to maintain its stance as the leading technology country in the world. And I mean, if they want to do that, um, we're going to have to adapt a little bit to make sure that crypto can thrive here instead of flee to other countries.
0: Do you think, having kind of observed the the nascent battles around regulatory stuff, uh, how relatively optimistic or pessimistic are you going into next year?
1: Uh, short term, probably more pessimistic. I don't think the government moves that fast. I think there's a lot of people trying to make a name for themselves on both sides and picking out the most gorgeous girl at the the party and yelling at her is, is the stance that's probably currently happening. I don't know if that's a great comparison, but kind of feels like crypto is that that girl at the party right now. Um, But long-term, I'm very bullish. I don't think that you can realistically put any of this back in the bottle, right? People all around the world are building these projects. They're all involved. They're all incentivized. It gives power back to the people on every dimension possible. So I don't think you can get this back in the bottle. So I think it will have to be accepted in some fashion. And I think that the government is willing to do that eventually. So. I don't think there's a major rift, but I think eventually everyone will kind of fall in line and and we could help build crypto a little bit faster.
0: What do you think are the biggest risks to the industry going into next year?
1: That's a tough one. I mean, bugs and hacks are always one. Um, You know, you have a lot of new projects on new chains, which I love. We're a huge fan and investors in a multi-chain world. Those are projects on Ethereum, Terra, Solana, Polkadot, Cosmos, specific chains—like take your pick. So we're all excited, but that introduces new risks. You know, everything has to be audited. Everything's out in the wild. Everything's constantly changing. So I think hacks, bugs are big. The other thing is just the market being completely disconnected with reality, right? Like valuations getting too insane, where you know the fundamentals or adoption just, frankly, just can't keep up. Um, I'll preface it with I think that crypto eats the world, but. You know, that, that's a long term, you know, decades long view, not a a, a six month view. So I am a little scared when I see my friends who aren't totally with it, making tons of money usually scares me. Coinbase being a number one app usually scares me. And, you know, various indicators like my Uber driver pitching me uh, NFTs or specific coins. Those three things are usually what I look for to see if the top is in. <laughs>
0: how mainstream did crypto get this year? I mean, is this mainstream now? Are we just scratching the surface? It feels to a lot of people like there was a big shift, but but how pronounced was it, do you think? I think it was big from a press perspective.
1: You know, companies partnering, press releases, we're going to do NFTs here. This is why we love Web3, whatever. Like, I think that was big. I think actual adoption by their end users has been small. Um, So I don't think like, those seeing the Adidas drop are like now crypto bulls, right? But like, it's a process, it'll take time. So I think from a exposure perspective high, I think from an adoption perspective, uh, by the broader world, a little bit a little bit less.
0: I mean, I guess that would make sense, right? Just in the sense that there is a natural media halo that's differentiated from how many kind of people come in. Uh, but it's interesting. Um, So one of the questions or one of the discussions that I've had with a lot of folks on these end of year shows has to do with sort of the changing sophistication of more institutional investors coming in this space. Have you guys seen a shift in terms of the type of people you co-invest with or the type of questions that people who are in, you know, kind of coming from an institutional background, uh, the type of questions they ask, uh, basically just want to understand from your kind of Insider view that you have relative to what you guys do, what you've noticed or observed on that front?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, we absolutely have. I mean, you have mega firms, uh, traditional firms entering the space that are leading deals, building projects, Tiger Global, jump, take your pick, major banks. Um, I think the stuff out of the major banks is still cringe as hell. You know, these permission chains for clients, like, you know, go back to 2016, 2017. Like that's that's all a joke. But I think the level of uh, the level of intellect and depth and thought from people in the space, especially the traditional investors, has gotten really big. Um, it's funny. I think Suzu tweeted out the other day, like, "What's the real risk asset?" Like, and it's it's, it's like traditional equities, right? Not being crypto, but it, it's true. Like, people are starting to understand that you know, just from a returns perspective, it's more interesting, but also just from a you know, where do you want to spend your time and who do you want to interact with? Like, this is the place to be, right? Like the smartest people are in crypto. They get all their smartest friends. They all learn from each other and the traditional world can't compete. Um, So it's a one way street to crypto from TradFi. No one goes back. Um, If they go back, I don't know. Eventually they'll be replaced by crypto, I guess. (laughs) But um, yeah, the the class of people we're dealing with has gone way up.
0: What is something you're pessimistic about for next year, and what's something you're optimistic about for next year?
1: Uh, that's a good question. I mean, I'll take the optimistic side. I mean, I'm really optimistic about L2s on Ethereum growing in a big way, right? We've already seen Starkware take off um, from being really complicated code in a multi year process to trustlessly scaling Ethereum in a real way, right? Like Immutable X, DYDX. These are projects people are actually using for a real use case, right? Immutable, you could trade NFTs for nothing. DYDX is a real exchange. Like this stuff really works, right? It's no longer, you know, marketing or hype or white papers. And I think it's early. So people might be missing a little bit, but like, that's how you get real adoption. Um, And if not on Ethereum with L2s, you have stuff like Terra and Solana and others really um, iterating and... Really capturing a lot of the market. So, pretty optimistic on on L2s and other L1s going into the near.
0: Is there anything that you're pessimistic about? I mean, your job is kind of not to be pessimistic (laughs) by disposition, but. (laughs) Uh, On the inside, pessimistic, outside, optimistic,
1: right? I mean, I'm definitely pessimistic on on short term regulations. Um, I don't think COVID's fantastic, obviously. Um, I actually feel really bad for all the money printing going on in the world. I think for people that, don't own assets. It's really going to, you know, really negatively impact them um, because inflation is just going to run rampant. It already is. I mean, I just saw a tweet that like housing rents up like 20% or something like that. It's insane. So yeah, I think people are getting like, uh, traditional media is trying to say there's no inflation. But meanwhile, I think people are really going to feel it in the coming months. So I I just feel bad about that. There really is no solution other than, you know, potentially um, get involved in crypto or real assets if you can.
0: What was the story of DeFi in 2021? It feels kind of like it I mean obviously TVL grew hugely but at the same time it feels also like people expected it to have a bigger footprint this year than it did. What's your take? Obviously you spend a lot of time, you know, more deep in that than certainly I do.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, DeFi is hard to understand, right? For the normal person, they have to understand incentives and token econ and economic attack vectors and and risk and modeling. What Pushed it to the side was NFTs and DAOs and communities, right? People could buy a squiggle or, you know, a punk or something and it's easy. They could show it off. They get involved with their friends. They join a community on Discord. Like it's just easier to do stuff that wasn't DeFi this year. And the other thing is DeFi this year got super complicated, right? Like the L2 adoption, Uniswap v3 like the drama around certain protocols, like it was complicated. And the other thing that factored that in is DeFi was happening on other chains, right? Like Avalanche and Solana and others. So I think DeFi went horizontal to other chains a bit and people on, say, Ethereum focused a bit more on NFTs and DAOs and stuff like that. So a bit of a jump into the shiny new thing.
0: What's one prediction you have for next year? Um. I'm not totally sure. I think one prediction would be
1: a lot of clarity from regulators on on what we what we can and can't do. I think we'll have to level the playing field. I think we'll have to make it available for people to actually build here in a real way while knowing um, what they can and can't do. And I think that will unlock a lot of a lot of growth kind
0: of a non-answer. but <laughs> <laughs> No, no, it's, it's totally reasonable. Uh, last one, because I, I want to actually extract a prediction from you, <laughs> regardless to some extent, is um, you guys were obviously some of the earliest to crypto-powered gaming and play to earn and sort of these, these phenomenon. There's something that you guys formed an early conviction around. You had a hand in helping shape uh, a bunch of different ways that people were thinking about those systems. How big a deal... Uh, is is that sector going to be next year in the, in the crypto space or even beyond the crypto space? Oh, crypto
1: gaming is huge. I mean, it's like, it just works, it clicks, and it's easy, right? You have a zillion people around the world gaming. They understand the value of owning their assets. They will soon understand the value of being able to play and earn money and accrue value and to be able to take it with you project to project. And these are also gamers that are tech-savvy and understand Uh, the flows, and they could really pick this up quickly. I mean, we're extremely active on the gaming side. I mean, we did Axie years ago at this point, but I mean, I wish I could share all the deals in our pipeline on the gaming side, but I can't right now. But I mean, if if you're following along at home, there's a bunch we released, um, like Crypto Unicorns to Ember Sword um, to Alluvium and a bunch in between. We're really excited to share. But yeah, we think that gaming will be obviously massive. Um, we think it's going to happen on chain, um, for settlement and off chain for obviously, uh, the compute and the gameplay. Um, and we think it's going to be a really big deal in the coming year. So yeah, if I had a prediction, it would be, uh, bullish gaming, but obviously not financial advice.
0: Awesome, man. Well, listen, been super fun to have you here. Uh, appreciate what you do for the space and all the thoughts and, uh, and I hope you have a great holiday season.
1: Yeah, Nathaniel, I love coming on, man. You're one of the best hosts in crypto. Um, Just a normal dude, and I love talking to you. So I really appreciate you having me on, and I always love listening to your episodes.
0: Cheers, bud. By way of wrapping up, I just want to thank Tom again for joining the show. It is always great to have anyone from the Delphi team here, and Tom is no exception. I appreciate you guys listening, and until tomorrow, be safe and take care of each other. Peace.
1: One. Two, three, four. Those are numbers. But you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader. Hopefully, this is the last time you hear this ad. With Chime Checking Account, features like fee-free overdraft up to $200 with SpotMe and getting paid up to two days early with Direct Deposit you can probably treat yourself to an ad-free upgrade to spend more time listening to your favorite podcasts, or at least grab an extra latte. Take more control of your finances and say goodbye to monthly fees. Open your account in minutes at chime.com goals 24. That's chime.com goals 24. Chime feels like progress. Banking services and debit card provided by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. Spot me eligibility
0: requirements and overdraft limits apply. Terms and conditions apply. Go to chime.com/disclosures for details.